0: I'm reading from James and um, James three from um, and the whole of um, uh, three, and um, it's in the Bible on page one two one four one two one four um, taming the tongue. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach you. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Um, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes a great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil Or a grapevine bear figs, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Two kingdoms of wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come, un- come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. From where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you, may- there you find a disorder and every evil practice. By the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in, in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. To let's just come and speak to us. as we pray for her as she does so? Father, thank you for the words we've just heard and for the the words that Ursula has prepared to speak to us. Father, we pray that as she speaks to them, that we will hear your truth for us in our lives. Amen.
1: Good morning, everyone. Will you humor me for a few minutes? Because I'd like to start with a quiz. If you know the answer, shout them out. If I say some phrases, see if you know who said them. The first one's quite topical. They think it's all over. (laughs) It's the World Cup, isn't it, in 66, just before England scored a goal. I'm not sure that we'll be able to celebrate in quite the same way this year. (laughs) The next one. You turn if you want to. Yeah. This one sounds quite humorous, but actually it's not. My button's bigger than yours. Donald Trump. And this is a really hard one. I love muddy puddles. Well done. quite impressed the 9 o'clock got that one as well
0: <laughs>
1: words have power don't they we remember them they lodge themselves in our brains they can take us back to the places and the emotions we experienced when we first heard them can you remember the words of a teacher or a parent What about words that have stayed with you through the years? Have words you remember built you up and encouraged you? Or is it the opposite? Do you remember them with fear or anger or do they leave you diminished? I don't know about you, but as I read this chapter of James, it left me feeling very uncomfortable. The first half particularly made me squirm as I recalled things that I've said that I've later regretted. Words that have caused others pain or where I've not followed the maxim of engage brain before opening mouth. Words have such power, don't they? Power to hurt, power to heal, power to bind or curse, or power to release power to build or to destroy I can remember a saying in the playground that said sticks and stones may break my bones but words can never hurt me that's not true in fact it couldn't be further from the truth could it the impact of words can stay with us down through the years far longer than it takes bruises to heal Words have the power to define the shape our lives take and the choices that we make. And in this chapter, James uses the metaphor of the tongue to introduce us to the power of the spoken word. And as I thought about tongues, I wondered how many I'd looked at in my working life. <laughs> and I came up with about a 100,000 <laughs> I know I work hard. (laughs) And that's probably more than most people, apart from maybe John, who sat over there. (laughs) And what I've realized is that each tongue is different. It's unique. But the other thing I've realized over the years is that you can tell a lot about people from their tongues. You can tell their health, their habits... Sometimes it has a stud through it, although personally I can never understand that one. Sometimes tongues are ultra-sensitive. Each one is different. And sadly, sometimes tongues can get so sick that they take us down the road of terminal illness and death. And James, here in this chapter, suggests different ways we can use our tongues, our words the way we communicate with others. And, of course, in James's time, it would have been the spoken word or letters, but now we have text and email as well. We can communicate in destructive ways, unbridled ways, uncontrolled, like a rudderless ship, says James, that has the power to curse and to speak words of death. And yet those same tongues are capable of communicating and forming words of encouragement, of life, of praise to our creator, of worship. And we can choose whether we speak words of life or words of death. And in the same way that tongues can tell us about ourselves physically, so too can our words Tell us about our inner life. The way we speak to one another can reveal a lot, can't it? There's a saying: "The eyes are the window of the soul, but I suggest that our words can also be a window to our souls, to our interior lives. Luke 6:45 says, "A good man brings good things out of the goods stored up in his heart." But an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And as James tells us, an unbridled tongue can lead to death. Words lodge themselves deep within our psyche. Words from childhood can cling into adulthood as we carry their script throughout our lives. The power of an unkind word or misplaced judgment of us can alter how we think about ourselves, how we view ourselves, color our perception of who we are or what we can achieve. A rather trite example from my childhood. I was about 12, and an art teacher told me that I had the painting ability of a toddler. In fact, not even a toddler. And for years, that altered my perception of what I could do. I longed to draw. I longed to do some art. And it took a long time before I finally picked up a pen and looked at something and thought, that's okay. And I wince inside when I hear parents tell their children, you're stupid. You can't. They carry those words through life. And here in James 3, we read how seriously we need to take what we say. But we don't need to be rendered dumb to avoid falling into the sinfulness of an unbridled tongue. James tells us, starting at verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. And then it carries on in verse 17. The wisdom that comes from heaven is pure, is peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and severe. And sincere, sorry, it's not severe. (laughs) talk about a Freudian slip. <laughs> God's wisdom is sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Wisdom. When I experience the wisdom of others, I'm aware that their words nourish me. Give me a gift of growth. Give me a gift of challenge, of encouragement. I engage in a dialogue that has a measure of godly wisdom and the eternal. It has the character of our eternal Father. Would that all our communications were like that. But for me anyway, life's not like that. James says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. There are times when I see how others have reacted to my words And realize that I've been anything but wise. I've been unkind or caused pain or spoken out of anger. The list goes on. And instead of life-giving words and life-giving water, I've spoken words that are brackish. Life-giving water tainted with unpalatable saltiness. And James tells us we have a choice. Just as in the same way Robin reminded us last week that out of our faith will flow works that the Heavenly Father asks of us. Out of our faith and because of it, we can make the choice to use our voices, our words, wisely. James tells us that godly wisdom will produce fruit. And as I thought about these words, I remembered the story of the fig tree in Matthew 21. When Jesus looked for it, not only did the tree have no fruit, but the leaves withered as well after he saw that it gave him nothing to give sustenance. If we live fruitless lives, we deny the reality of the work of the Holy Spirit within us. We produce no fruit, we give no sustenance, and we wither. And it's through the grace of God we can turn in repentance when we fall short. We can make amends when we've hurt or diminished others. We can forgive those who've said unkind, hurtful words to us. We can walk free of the curse of words that shadow our lives and rob us of God's best. And finally, an encouragement. We read that James sets a high standard for us because he knows we cannot hope to achieve it through our own efforts. It's only by the grace of God at work within our lives. Choosing to live life under the shadow of his wing, covered by his love and grace, listening, responding to the inner voice of the Holy Spirit as we speak words of life to one another. Amen.